Welcome to the podcast where Mercury is always in retrograde. Liz! Erin! <laughs> it's not just us! No, it's not just us. We haven't had a we haven't had a guest in a while. In a hot minute. Um welcome back to the podcast for the first time with all of us. It's Monica! My friend Monica. Hi, hi. Woo! Hello. Hello. I bet you're all wondering why I've gathered you here today. Don't start this like it's an intervention, ma'am. <laughs> your I own have not- podcast. <laughs> Listen, I've never done anything wrong in my life, so I don't know why you would do this to me. You know what? You're right. I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. <laughs> What's that clip from Parks and Rec where I have Mona never like- <laughs> done anything wrong ever in my life? I know, I, this, know this, I know this. I know this. I love you. <laughs> Off to a great start. Yeah. Oh, um, that's a chorus. <laughs> <laughs> repeating the same meme back and forth over and over again. It's also that's it. me at myself when I wake up in the morning every day. <laughs> me doing the absolute bare minimum to survive. <laughs> <laughs> that's valid. You're valid. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh my god. I love having you on this podcast. This is so validating. I feel so right? good. Right? Anytime. Anytime. Um so I don't wanna I don't wanna bog down the podcast, but the Capitol building was stormed. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and conservatives are now scrambling. Because unfortunately these Illiterate fucks have only read the spark notes of about mm, three books, two of them by George Orwell. <laughs> so now we are sitting in the grime of the hashtag 1984, which people have also been convinced uh, has been shadow banned by uh, uh, these social media platforms because they don't know that numbers don't get hashtagged. Oh, what my god. <laughs> Oh Mark God. Zuckerberg is personally censoring every single one of them. AWS has dropped Parlor. It is just a mess. I don't know why people added their driver's license to what is essentially a WordPress site, but now they're <laughs> being added to the no-fly list. So, you know, everything is going really well. And Is that what, what that's what's happening? Yeah. I didn't understand that. What the fuck? Well, <laughs> Actually, what happened was the dipshits that run Parler, this is part of my job, is uh, a Twilio integration. So it's an SMS messaging platform. What it essentially does is the two-factor authentication. So if you've ever forgotten your password, you get get another message, whether that's over the phone or, or your email or something, and then you get a link to reset your password. Twilio, right. whoever whoever runs Parlor turned off that uh, integration. So if you set if you set yourself to forgot my password, it would just go straight into what do you want your new password to be? <laughs> so they got into one admin account, and that's all it took for the floodgates oh to open. It wasn't a team of hackers, and that's why in two days you get people on the no-fly list and you know getting called terrorists and shit. It's great. Wow. It's great. I, well, yeah, I well, well, if it is not the consequences 
of <laughs> their actions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, the amount of these people going, I'm not black, why are you treating me like this? <laughs> After literally live streaming a fucking attempted coup at a Capitol building, like, hello? Beating the shit out of cops with a Blue Lives Matter flag. It's just, it's we are beyond so- parody. If this was if this was a movie and someone had that happen, uh, critics would call it too on the nose. Right. Right. <laughs> Truly unbelievable. And so, uh, you know, looking at all these book recommendations that people are talking about, like, oh, my God, it's 1984. It's Brave New World. It, it, it's, it's driving me nuts. Because here's the thing. Like, today's topic is... Uh, not about the coup it's about the literary canon i i I feel like there are a lot of books in the literary canon that are actually good i know that it gets a lot of criticism rightfully so for being very western you know it's the same kind of like white ideals and there's not enough writers of color and 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 different sexualities and, and and gender um explorations i i just feel like it's it's a little bit incomplete in that way but i i do think that there are some of these books that you know these motherfuckers didn't read when we were in (laughs) high school you know these people were turning to their cliff notes and they were writing whatever the fuck they thought that the uh, that their teacher wanted to hear and now look they've got the reading comprehension of a fucking four-year-old i bet they can't even read the back of a fucking cereal box without shitting themselves i hate these people so much Oh, no, you don't understand. An app getting banned from the App Store is exactly what George Orwell was talking about in 1984. Right. Animal Farm was about Venezuela. You. <laughs> Maduro is actually the pig from Animal Farm. Right. <laughs> Fucking I'm losing it, dude. I'm losing it. These people. I, yeah, like, I feel like these people can't read the back of their own medicine bottles talking about don't take more than what is prescribed here, which is why we're in the middle of an opioid crisis, let alone another book other than maybe 1984. I doubt these people even read 1984. You know what I mean? They just know that 1984 is about government bad. Yeah, right. They must have... They, I bet they like looked at it and they were like dystopian. This is what life is like. So I'm gonna use it as a reference for everything. <laughs> right. It's like shut the fuck up. <laughs> right. It's like they all share a singular brain cell, and that one brain cell <laughs> is going 1984, 1984, Orwellian. This is right. Orwellian. Is exactly. <laughs> oh my. God. God, oh my god, if I have to read the word Orwellian one more time, I swear to god, I'm just gonna block that man's name, I'm gonna piss in his grave even though he did anything wrong. Oh my god. I'm gonna get Orwellian <laughs> tattooed on my forehead, so anytime you have you look at me, you have to read the word. I will kill you. I will kill you, no hesitation. I will, it is on site, bitch. It is on fucking site. I will send a super fucking laser beam to your house and burn that shit off of your skin. No. Oh my god. You insufferable idiot. I hate you so much. Oh my god, get off this podcast.
I can't stand you. I can't fucking stand you. Oh, Jesus Christ. And that's the episode. Uh, Thanks for listening. <laughs> so, I, I, this is so weird for me. I'm sorry. I don't know how, Liz, you had like so many of your friends on this podcast because this is like a chaotic ride for me personally <laughs> like i feel like this is a weird melding of the worlds in my mind almost you know almost like i was gonna say something about orwellian but it really just hurts it just hurts to say it i just can't fucking do it i can't even commit to a bit what's so funny so stupid yeah. so dumb um, but anyways, here's some other books that these people should fucking read. But yeah. that, like, here's my thing. I can, I can list any of the books in my library downstairs, and it would be a hundred times better than whatever the fuck they've read up to this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. But right. I want to kind of take a look at the literary canon in particular, because I feel like if they had maybe just read a couple of these books and made <laughs> themselves just a little bit smarter. Yeah. Maybe, maybe some maybe. of them would understand that like government doesn't work that way. You can't just like execute senators and then go, mm-hmm, I fixed it. <laughs> right. <laughs> like not even that these are revolutionary books, but just that like maybe increase their reading comprehension so that they can go, mm, is this fact? Maybe news is right. not all fake. <laughs> right. <laughs> First, I would recommend that they read Pride and Prejudice because if they <laughs> read it and understood that Mr. Darcy was, you know, a decent guy the whole time, he just has social anxiety, uh, maybe if that was in their brain, they wouldn't have done the things they did. Right? See, that's exactly my point. Not to call you out. I love but that. Did you just admit in the group chat the other day that you did not, in fact, read Pride and I've Prejudice? I've never read. The hand touch in the movie was. <laughs> the hand clench. The hand clench, exactly. The scene at the end of the movie with the light, like yes. the sun rising. Yeah. Literally the million dollar shot. Out of control. You must only call me. Mrs. Darcy, when you are, whatever, completely incandescently happy, oh, well, then I'll call you Mrs. Darcy every day. You know, I'm just saying. I'm literally crying. (laughs) If they were thinking of these kinds of things, maybe, like, they should have been, like, thinking of that and not... Not committing sound <laughs> lynching my <pets. laughs> attempting to murder <laughs> our our government. Uh, you know what we sound like? We sound like uh fucking televangelists going, <laughs> if you could just think about the Lord instead of being horny <laughs> maybe then you would commit less sin. <laughs> no, <laughs> Maybe if they were pining, right? Like a gay, right? Exactly. Maybe if they understood for anarchy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, uh, what are what's some of the literary canon you want to talk about? I the so one book in particular that I I I I want to kind of take away from the government stuff because I'm thinking about the literary canon now, and I'm like, okay. 
I read these, I read a bunch of books in high school, and, like, I actually read a bunch of them, like, not just sparknoting them, and I'm like, oh, a lot of these books were good, actually, and I think that it really made me think and really <laughs> contributed to my understanding of, like, literary devices and, and how I read books today, so I was thinking about books that actually did that for me, and this is going to be a controversial, controversial one, ladies, but, Ooh. um... I really liked The Catcher in the Rye by Janie Sound. I also liked Catcher in the Rye. I am not going to (laughs) lie. Oh my god, the tea is hot! Scalding, literally scalding. I have never read The Catcher (laughs) in the Rye. Interesting, really? It was uh, like one of an option of like a bunch of books. And yeah, 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 that's how I read it. <laughs> okay, and I, I decided, I was really in my Civil War reenactment uh, phase at that point. Oh my god, I'm obsessed. <laughs> what did you read? Which book did you read? Uh, the Little Red Women? No, The Red Badge of Courage by Stephen Crane. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Which oh, ne- interesting. So, which is, which no one knows about or cares about, so uh, tell me about <laughs> Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> I was going to say, I did not read that book. I read Catcher in the Rye. Um, it, I, it, Okay, I understand why it gets a lot of criticism. Because it's from the point of view of a 13-year-old year bo- boy in the 1940s. Oh, he's So 13? obviously he's insufferable. I th- I'm pretty sure he's 13. Um, yeah, which he's pretty makes, young. Which puts okay. a lot of his... Um, actually... I want to look this up now. Wait, hold on. Okay. Catcher, catcher in the rye. Okay, no, he's 16. Okay, Um, no, okay, but still, but still. But still, he's a teenager. It's the 40s. He is really out of depth. I think that even though he is 16, I would say that he's not really at that age. I think it reflects a lot on how teenagers grow at different rates. Um... And maturity doesn't always hit until later on in your life. And so I think that um, in the case of Holden Caulfield, the the main protagonist, a lot of what he does and how he talks, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that it does a really excellent job of kind of contextualizing the angst that teenagers go through, even to this day. I think that the reason why people don't like it is because it's almost like looking back at your time hop photos from 10 years ago oh, man. and going, ooh, <laughs> that ooh. person, mm, she can die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people, like, really hate Colden Caulfield, but I never felt, like, hatred towards him. I almost, like, just understood the way that he kind of talks about these larger-than-life concepts. He doesn't have a grasp in reality, and I think that that almost kind of slowly unravels itself as you kind of understand where the title comes from and why he does certain things, like some of his mannerisms kind of come into play later on, and and you can see them as uh, almost like uh, uh, the way that a child kind of holds on to a safety blanket. Like, I think that these are comforting things for him, and keep this in your podcast it should be raw and unedited (laughs) i hate you (laughs) the reason the reason that 
Liz having her friends on the podcast is fine is because, uh, unlike us, her friends are not completely batshit. So well, that's incorrect. No, that's incorrect. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no offense to you, Liz, but I have met your friends. No, my friends are fucking off the wall. <laughs> okay. Literally. You know what? I'm glad. <laughs> We're all. <laughs> thinking about I feel that. like. I'm sorry, Liz. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's so funny. Podcast, it was no, so it's... fucking funny. It's so funny because it's like Emily, like my friends, like, I don't think I would ever like talk to Emily and be like I'm gonna fucking kill you like, perhaps perhaps maybe in like a certain mood I would say that but like it's not a bit that we do like constantly like I feel like you do Aaron like Aaron's I feel just like right out the gate like I'm gonna smash Monica's head in with a brick Monica will be dead by the end of this episode like Aaron is sprinting on her way to my house right now <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> Literally the most cursed shit. Um, but yeah, I think <laughs> I think that um, Holden Caulfield is a bitch, but I love him. <laughs> That's yeah, I think he. Valid. He's, like, a perfect example of, like, a 16-year-old boy who is, like, so fucking full of himself, has no connection with the real world, um, but who is also, like, severely mentally ill. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. it's not, like, a joke, but it's... <laughs> it's like he's dead-ass mentally ill. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say that. I wasn't expecting you to end that sentence with that. <laughs> I think it's a good you, you know what's really interesting is that I read this interpretation where if you read this book Catcher in the Rye but you kind of interpret Holden as a undiagnosed maybe like uh, behavioral like maybe on the spectrum or you know having some kind of disability that it makes a lot of sense actually yeah yeah that's how I felt I when would, I read yeah, context that makes sense. into into what he kind of misinterprets about the world he has these like kernels of truth where he like understands that hollywood is inherently untruthful about its portrayals of certain issues they're they're not really effective at affecting change so it's his brother being a hollywood writer is he sees it as being a sellout but he doesn't actually understand why like he does he, he right. kind of gets that these are things that are bad but he doesn't understand really the full picture of it he has that little piece of the truth and he is trying to inform his worldview with that but he's still too naive he's still too young he doesn't have the experience for it and right. i think that's made clear by the fact that he's like a boarding school kid you know he's never actually experienced life for himself and um i think the most jarring example of that is when he is spending the hotel night at the hotel with a sex worker but he he's like he doesn't do anything because he's stupid right but also he doesn't understand the implications of it in the same breath he's calling his brother a prostitute he's saying that he's prostituting himself out in hollywood and you know that kind of foil um that plays into each other and it really sets the stage for understanding why holden caulfield himself is just not set for uh, really understanding the world and how his verbiage is just not reflecting 
what he knows, which is just that he's dumb as shit and doesn't know anything. <laughs> right. He's, <laughs> he's an idiot 16-year-old. Exactly. 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 I, I would be curious to see if you would like it, Monica, just because I feel like we have a lot of the same opinions when it comes to media. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I definitely would be interested in that, too, especially reading it as, you know, a 25-year-old. Um, I didn't, while I didn't read it myself, I remember that a lot of people did, and we all gave a, like, presentation about our works at the beginning of the the work that we'd read and like the uniting theme was that fucking everybody hated holden caulfield from catcher in the rye um but yeah like looking back i mean we were we would have been 16 or 17 yeah. that year so i definitely see it as like you know a bunch of <laughs> AP lit kids like I'm so much smarter <laughs> than this rube I'm mature and I know lots of things about the world um whereas of course now it's like it's like no that's just like 16 year olds don't know nothing right Truly, I feel like in a yeah I feel like in a sense it's kind of like we read the book at 16, 17 years old, and it's like almost like looking into the mirror and being like, oh, am I really like this? Ooh, but like, yeah. I don't think I had like the um, like cognitive ability to be like, am I like this? Right. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. looking back now, looking back now at the time when I read it, I didn't like it. But then like as I got older, I was like, oh, I kind of do like Catcher in the Rye. Um, and I feel like perhaps maybe the reason why is like unconsciously I was like, Ugh, this guy sucks, right. but also he, I am him. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I felt bad for Holden at the end where he like kind of realizes he has to grow up and he, you understand the metaphor of the catcher in the rye and how he misunderstood an actual song that exists and I think it really comes in together like that that revelation it's almost like a, a plot twist in the way that it all kind of clicked for me at the end right. um, <clears throat> and it really put everything into perspective for me reading it I really liked it when it first when I first read it in high school I will say that I haven't read it since I've like picked it up and I've like skimmed a couple of the pages but I really have not sat down and read it and I'm a little bit nervous too because I'm scared that I will not like it as much as I did when I first read it in high mm. school so that's fair that's fair maybe it will not hold up to the same criticism but at least uh I can say that I remember it very fondly so that's right. that's my favorite one of my favorite pieces off the literary canon who who wants to go next who wants to present their piece to the rest of the class <laughs> Uh, I'll go next. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so the book that I'm going to be talking about is The Awakening by Kate Chopin. Um, I was in, like, regular English class, like, all throughout high school. So, like, 9th, 10th, 11th grade, I was in, like, Regents English class um, because I was, like, not very – I wasn't, like, exceptionally smart. Like, I was, like, whatever – um, and then my senior year, I was like, oh, I'm going to take AP Lit, like, just because all my friends are doing it, and, like, it'll look good on, like, college applications. <laughs> and, like, really, I had no, I had, like, no right to be in that class. Like, I 
really did not suffer through like AP Lang like everyone else. Um, and like I had to write my senior thesis like over the summer and it was just like a bizarre situation, but whatever, I was in AP Lit and um, over the break, I remember my teacher assigned us The Awakening and everyone in the class was like, oh, I don't fucking want to read this. And then I was like, I also don't want to read this. Um, and then I read it and I think it was like the combination of reading this book and, um, being on Tumblr for like two to three years at that point, um, made me go, oh, feminism does exist (laughs) and perhaps I should be, consider myself a feminist. (laughs) Um, like, like it was the first time in my life, like reading a piece of literature and I was like, oh, uh huh. Okay. Yep. Women's (laughs) rights. <laughs> Women are um, not, you know, fundamentally incomplete men who did not finish developing in the womb and literally. Oh God! <laughs> literally. So I, I think it was like the combination of this book and also Macbeth with Lady Macbeth, like. Just the power, the power, (laughs) literally Lady Macbeth going, I will crush an infant's head against my teeth. And I was like, "Mm, oh, okay. (laughs) Why do I kind of fuck with this? (laughs) (laughs) It's an intense energy, but I'm not uh, not opposed to it. Literally. Lady Macbeth exhibit girl power (laughs) 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 successfully utilize girl power by having the children of Macduff murdered in their beds (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah so I, I I liked I really I liked the awakening so much like when I read it just the concept of like essentially a housewife like just being so fucking fed up with her husband and children and just like walking off into the ocean like goodbye i don't know it's just the power you know to do be like that sometimes (laughs) it really do be like that sometimes (laughs) um so yeah so uh, the first this is the first book i'm gonna talk about sorry so the awakening is number one um and then i also i'm fucking obsessed with the pearl by john steinbeck oh my oh. god no oh my god. <laughs> i have like i have like childhood trauma related to that book it's not actual childhood trauma i just read it in like oh god middle school and yeah i i simply did not vibe with anything about it Oh my god, really? What I the, loved it. What was the baby's it. name? What was the, what was the baby's name? Kayo Tito. Yeah! <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't remember so that. Funny. I just remember that the, I just remember that he died. Rip in peace. Yeah. I remember, I just think it's funny because I remember Shawnee, Shireen's little <laughs> yep. sister, reading The Pearl and talking to Liz extensively about it because Liz was like, I love The Pearl. And she was like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> that was like the resurgence of my, um, not love, but, like, my resurgence for my passion about the Pearl was, like, when Shereen's little sister was like, yeah, I'm reading the Pearl for class. And I was like, Coyotito oh, fucking died <laughs> at the hands of these men who were thirsty for wealth. 
John, John Steinbeck was responsible for so many of these moments where I would read these books with, I, I guess, a false sense of security. That yeah, that's exactly oh yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that He also did The Red Pony, I'm pretty sure. And I'm like reading it and I'm like, wow, this is a book about a pony. And then the pony fucking dies. And then uh, oh my Mice and Men, same thing, same Ooh, concept. True, 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 true. Fucking bullshit. Oh, yeah. Of Mice and Men really, like, fucking ruined me. Yeah, it was not a, it was not a good vibe. Steinbeck no. was not kind to my high school self. So. No, he was... <laughs> John, John Steinbeck said, get wrecked, pussy. This is just what the world is like. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, but I think the Pearl really teaches a good lesson of, like, um, don't be hungry for wealth. <laughs> And like, just fucking relax. Like, stop fucking killing people. As <laughs> always, that's a good lesson. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will say, like, I think that the Pearl is a really good book to read, even though it is right. traumatizing. Yeah, yeah, right. It is a good lesson. It it really hit, it really does hammer home the idea that like this Pearl has now taken over for an actual human fucking life. Right. Yeah. Right. Which in turn, the it just turns out to be worthless. So it's like, it's the it's not even like an actual, it's not actual wealth. It's just like the concept of like being wealthy and like the idea of like having this money. Meanwhile, it's like the thing that you think will make you wealthy actually just murdered your son. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. I'm gonna you know. Play, I'm going to put in some music over you talking about the pearl and it's just gonna Ew. be the USSR <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I, I, I do I do think that we need to learn about all of this shit like this is what I'm saying like there are moral lessons here there are really applicable moral lessons in these books yeah also, oh if absolutely if it's been like literally literally more than 10 years since i've read it but if i'm remembering correctly there is some um there's also some commentary in the pearl about like how like the indigenous people which the main characters were were at uh were being you know oppressed in society and were poorer because of it um and hence this pearl represented like their chance to uh right. have, yeah have have uh, i guess better chances in this like oppressive <laughs> oppressive society right yeah, because like the pearl the... buyers were all like well off not native to the to the land i'm pretty sure yeah I can't, yeah i, I can't right. remember where it takes place i want to like i feel like it was like california or mexico somewhere around there but i I don't i don't remember right i yeah because in the beginning the baby gets bit by a snake because they're like living in these poor conditions yeah so like the concept of the pearl like offers them some like sort of like medical support for the baby and like being able to like live in a house where your kid's not going to get bit by a snake um, but then it just turns into like <laughs> would love a bad to, thing. <laughs> would love to live in a house where my children don't get bitten by snakes. <laughs> the dream snakes are manifesting in my house, fighting <laughs> all my children. <laughs> oh 
so yeah, so feminism, greed, over wealth, great lessons learned. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. You you won't learn that from 1984. You right. <laughs> I actually have never read it, so I don't know what you learned from 1984. <laughs> I I yeah. You know what the thing is? I remember 1984, <clears throat> and I only remember it so vividly because it, this is going to be really weird. But I I also did not take uh, AP classes until my senior year because I thought it looked good on my uh, college application. Uh, and also, all my friends are smart and take and took AP classes, and I wanted to have class with them. Why are <laughs> so we I the same also, person, Aaron? <laughs> I don't know. I uh, but I was also just like uh, playing catch up, and so I uh, remember reading 1984 and my. I, I guess they wanted to make sure that the stupider kids like me would be able to understand the concepts. So my <laughs> teacher showed me this video, but it was like clearly weirdly edited. And so I remember looking it up after school and the extended version, uh, unfortunately had a lot of titties in it. Um, <laughs> not only did it have a lot of titties, but it had a lot of like devil iconography, which, um, I don't know. I think it just scared the shit out of me, like the ever living shit out of me. It scared me so much that I am forced to remember that video every time I think about 1984. I'm so sorry. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> it's it's um I don't remember it like well. Like I don't remember 1984's like themes. I couldn't really talk about the plot too well except for like the whole like secret police kind of concept and I don't know. They don't have good media whatever he's under constant surveillance and like inevitably Big brothers he, like, gives in to the yeah, watching yeah, yeah. and he and he loses like he gives up he yeah inevitably folds to the to the government's uh whatever conditions but i i, I just keep thinking about those titties <laughs> <laughs> just keep thinking back from there but donk donk honkers on my fucking <laughs> family computer in like 2009. Help them trying to overthrow the government by the these, these the sound of these giant fucking titties on my screen. Keeps alerting They're Big Brother. me from the words of Marx. What made Aaron gay? 1984. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I lost the original plot. <laughs> of whatever the fuck I was saying. 1984, Holy man. Shit. 1984. <laughs> George Orwell, man. Uh, I mean, an interesting, an interesting point. We don't have to, you know, talk about uh, 1984 too much, but an interesting point about George Orwell is, despite you know people bringing up Animal Farm in uh, response to healthcare in America. Um, George Orwell was actually a like a committed socialist his whole life. So Oh he, yeah. I yeah. mean you can tell. Yo yeah, no, absolutely. I mean nineteen eighty four was thing. like specifically about the rise of fascist totalitarianism, um, which he saw fucking I looked at his Wikipedia page earlier. Um he <laughs> George Orwell? Yeah, George Orwell. I love it. I love this energy. Bye. 
But I think he he was in Spain during the Spanish Civil War and, you know, hung out in, like, anarchist communes and stuff. And um, so, yeah. And so he wrote Animal Farm. um, Well, and then, of course, he lived through World War II. um, Mm -hmm. And so he wrote Animal Farm as a result, uh, as a direct response to, you know, Stalinism. Um, but he was, uh, he was a member of the British Labour Party, um, and in many ways, his hatred of Stalin and his, you know, quote-unquote communism, and which was really just, you know, authoritarianism, um, strengthened his resolve in socialism as a concept, um, And he saw Stalinism as this complete corruption of uh, his ideology. Um, And I am officially putting all of us on a national watch list for saying that (laughs) on your podcast. (laughs) You're not wrong. I think it's, I don't remember which which movie. I think it's Conspiracy Theory, actually, which uh, one of the plot points of the movie is that they there's an FBI watch list for people who buy copies of The Catcher in the Rye. So <laughs> and I think that's a significant plot point in that movie. Oh my god. Um, and that's how the main character gets like inevitably caught and I think killed by the government. So oh. we're really just, you know, bringing it a full circle here. We're um, all gonna oh. be... Also... <laughs> McCarthyism is coming back for all Stop! of us. Stop! <laughs> 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 Deleting the Communist man- Manifesto off my fucking desktop right now. <laughs> I... I think we actually, Monica, this is funny because I think we actually talked about this when you yep. were on the podcast and Liz was unfortunately out that one time um, yep, yep. when we brought yep. up shooting an elephant. Shooting an elephant, yeah. Another story by Orwell, which is entirely anti-imperialist. It's yep. it's entirely rejecting British colonialism. It's, it's yep. really, it was a really good story. And I think that that was like, I, I, it, part um informed by his own experience as being a British officer. Yep, yeah, exactly. He was yeah, he oh. was a police officer, I think even in Burma. Um so wow. which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is where the story Crazy. takes place. So when he wasn't writing serious social commentaries, he also did write an entire essay in defense of British cooking, by the way, which I think is personally personally his most controversial work. Uh, I would say so. <laughs> but arguably fuck? could be his most important work. <laughs> but is it though? <laughs> but is it? <laughs> Give me some beans on toast, mate. <laughs> what the fuck even is blood pudding? Sorry, that's like... It is literally... Con- well, it is literally congealed blood. But... I actually Listen, think that help. kind of stuff Koreans? is like... Oh, that's Irish. Kind of... Wait, I feel... I don't think that's... I... Oh, no, wait. No, just kidding. No, I think it is a British thing. I think that, like... Here's the thing. You can eat blood. Like, yeah. I, I eat blood sausages all the time. I think that's also a uh, Spanish dish as yeah. well. Um, this, like, blood sausage. And, like, blood is blood is eaten pretty commonly across the world. Blood sausage mm-hmm. is like... actually very tasty. 
It is so good, dude. It's but really, like, really don't good. be a freak about it, okay? Right, I mean, right. Don't. British still think right. that they fucking the whole world revolves around them. I I hate that they. Anytime anyone says anything on the internet, they're like, "Oh, what's this then, mate?" Oh, wait, shut up. Then. Right, it's, it's Tuesday, isn't it? It's Tuesday, isn't it, ladies? Oh my god. Hey, it is Tuesday. It actually is Tuesday. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, which one of of you does the editing for this podcast? (laughs) Because it's me. I hate you so much, Monica. I'm sorry. Okay. Die. centered all around hatred of this one man who may or may not exist actually but for the purposes of the state's propaganda machine uh he exists and his name is goldstein um and so in that sense yeah so i mean in in that sense 1984 can so i i think that 1984 in that sense is in fact a very explicit you know condemnation um is it it is explicitly invoking you know goldstein being a very jewish name um invoking the anti-semitism of the period in which it was written um in and making a statement uh and making a statement about it um because these great fascist this great fascist regime um, great as in powerful, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, sprung up as a result of, or sprung up using anti-Semitism as one of its, uh, recruiting tactics. So, once again, 1984, uh, very specific, specifically referencing, um, the sort of fascist government that, people who quote it are actually probably in favor of uh for example the capital protesters so yeah yeah i mean like the uh, i think i read this thing about how like so many conspiracy theories online in the u.s are just blatant anti-semitism like it's literally like we don't know about this because we are obviously not and looking yeah, for anti-Semitic right. conspiracy <laughs> theories. Like, the conspiracy theories that we were talking about, like, I think about that, like, blue horse outside of the, the, <laughs> the blue airport. Horse. Like, the fucking airport, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of fucking ant- blatantly anti-Semitic conspiracy theories out there that are literally just, like, Jewish people should die. And it's like, okay, well... Okay. Um, okay. You guys talking about the blue horse outside the airport airport, and you go on like conspiracy theory websites and people are like, I bet the Jews did this. (laughs) (laughs) No! Just kidding, I'm kidding. It really is like that on this like online landscape. Very US centric, like, and I would say like Eurocentric as well. Like, it's still like very, very prominent and I, it, it's... Like these these books are old, but they still carry a lot of weight. Like they're still right. relevant, unfortunately. Right, no, yeah. 
bad vibes, uh, sad vibes. Sad vibes. What is, Monica, what is the book that you wanted to talk about, unless it was 1984, in which case I'm going to kill you? No, it's not 1984. Uh, I'm gonna fucking talk about Kafka. Uh, oh my god. Y'all, y'all fucking metamorph metamorphies. Y'all ever wake up and you're a fucking bug? Y'all ever wake up and you're a bug? Um, so the first time I read <laughs> Kafka, and he, so I, it was the metamorphosis, obviously. Uh, <laughs> first time I read Kafka, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, I think I read it and I was just like, what the fuck am I reading? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Literally, this guy uh, becomes changed into a cockroach, uh, and he's just like, well, I guess I can't go to work today, uh, and then his family is like, oh shit, I guess you're a cockroach now, um, and then he stays as a cockroach and slowly becomes more cockroach-like, um, and then he dies, and his family is happy that he died. <laughs> Oh my god. He, here's my thing. He's like immediately like, fuck my work, my right. work. Oh my god. And then he's like, what are what are people gonna think? Like it's it's uh, oh my god. It is wild, dude. It is so wild. It's absolutely batshit. And everything Kafka I, does is just like that. We've had I to read his. Yeah. Go for Sorry. it. Sorry. I no, I mean I like I read a couple of his short stories in like this anthology that I have that like has a bunch of short stories and also the metamorphosis and I read read both of them and it's like oh oh this is there's a lot there's a lot going on in yeah, this. There's a lot going on <laughs> uh, going on here. I'm trying to remember cuz I also have just read random short stories um throughout my various like classes. There's like the 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 gate, the yeah, the the door, the gate. I read a lot of them as part of my like German minor, so I was like reading them in German, mm. and which means I don't actually know what happened in them very well. <laughs> um, so, which so I don't remember. It's like the the door, the gate, something like that. I don't know. But this guy is like, I want to go through this gate, and the gatekeeper is like, No, you can't. And he like is like, But I want to. And he's like, You know, I'll come back later. So he just, like, keeps coming back throughout all of his life, and then he's, like, dying, and he, like, crawls up to the gatekeeper and is like, can I please go through the door now? And the gatekeeper is like, you could have gone through at any point, and then the guy just, like, dies. Oh. I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> I think, I think it's got, it's, I think that's how it ended. Like I said, I read this, like, I read this in German, um... <laughs> but it's just got some like Holy absolutely batshit ending that's like completely unsatisfying. Um, so basically, for a while there, I was very much like, you know who I hate? Kafka. You know, who fucking sucks. <gasps> oh my god, Kafka. But then I sat down for a second and I was thinking about it. I was thinking about the metamorphosis. And, you know, he gets turned into a cockroach, and then all his family is like, actually, he sucks now, and then he dies. Um, and they're all like, oh, thank God he died. Um, and I was like, you know what, this, to me, this reads like a, a metaphor for mental illness. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. I... I'm, 
like it's like the 20s or whatever and he you know he so you know picture it in a different a different way right like this guy suddenly is overcome with severe you know anxiety or depression or whatever and it's the 1920s and he's unable to adequately get help for it so it just keeps getting worse and worse and then uh it because it's the 20s and his family doesn't is just terrible they're like why is he why is he depressed why does why does he have this mental illness um and then he dies and his family is like good i don't have to care for his mentally ill ass anymore um and i was like (laughs) i don't know if this is like better but like i don't know if this is like you know emotionally like a better reading than him just turning into a cockroach but i was like you know what i kind of i kind of vibe with this metaphor metaphorical interpretation of the text yeah (laughs) i vibe with that too thanks and then actually i read another or i don't know if i read i heard someone talking about their own interpretation of the metamorphosis which is that it was a metaphor for uh disability for kind of similar reasons i was just gonna say i think it was uh i think uh, maybe even just looking at the lens of like work you right. Know, getting yeah, yeah. injured is a big detriment to your ability to actually get work done and in in a 20th century context like because most labor is actual like physical labor. Yeah. And now you're a burden. Like now your family sees you as a burden and yeah. by dying he has right. relieved his family of <laughs> having to care for him, which is a very capitalist way of thinking about right. it. Which I think is why Kafka is a very uh, noted name in like the kind of left space no yeah that's yeah that's exactly it the focus on how his family like slowly abandons him as a result of this thing that is you know entirely not his fault um like he's a cockroach that's you know fundamentally absurd which is you know just kafka but mm-hmm. this sort of situation that he develops, that Kafka develops around this absurd uh, thing is, I think, something that's very, um, like, something that's very real. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, yeah. we're, we're talking, like, we're talking, you know, it's, I think, I think that he's writing this post-war, post-World War One. Um, actually, I'm gonna Google that before I... <laughs> Metamorphosis. <laughs> okay, it was for, for first published in 1915, but so so, okay, so the middle of the war. Yeah, middle of the war. Um, so you know, I thing, think. Yeah. Um, I think like this turn of the century, we also see the ons- the onset of the Spanish flu, yes. which is interesting because um, what happened after that is a lot of people ended up physically disabled. People who survived the flu ended up Mm -hmm. suffering from a lot of disabilities, and that created the need for social government programs, which then became a catalyst for uh, a lot of different uh, rhetoric around um, uh, uh, 
eugenics and, and yeah. fascist mu- movements that just further propelled this kind of idea of a body ideal too like Definitely. this able-bodied ideal um that i think the metamorphosis almost like preemptively uh kind of talked about and i think that's where it came into such importance like i think that that's why it probably resonated with a lot of people and it continues to resonate because we i i think i've seen like a number of articles talking about how like we don't know what's going to happen to people who have gotten the coronavirus yeah what the long-term effects are and how that might affect our society as a whole like there's just a lot of things happening that kind of reflect what we've seen in the turn of the 20th century that is now happening in the turn of the 21st century so it's really interesting to see like kafka kind of rise back into the social conscious i feel like for a while it was a meme to say kafka-esque yeah (laughs) yeah exactly Uh, you know, I used to be a hater, but <laughs> then I recontextualized his work using my own personal experiences and life, uh, you know, life perspective. And now I think he's a pretty cool guy. I heard that in the cadence of when Spongebob is like, I used to be a frail little idiot. What are those arms that he gets? Those fucking oh arms? yeah, the, yeah, the balloon, oh, the pink arms. ones. <laughs> and now everybody loves me. <laughs> you know what? Liking Kafka is like anchor arms, but for your brain. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> oh my god. Also, Kafka was writing The Metamorphosis at the peak of the American eugenics movement. Maybe not the peak. Yeah, no, it was about the peak. So, <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, holy shit. So Fucking maybe. I, yeah. I actually, I actually, re- so I read Kafka and I, I read this book and I was just like, damn, Kafka's a weird dude. Like, he's <laughs> just like a weird dude. Yeah, and then was, yeah. actually what contextualized it for me was I read this book uh, called The Vegetarian. Um, I don't know if y'all saw it. Oh, yeah, by um, Han King. Han King, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've read this book a couple of times. It's amazing. It's incredible. And it really put... So it take it, the main protagonist is a South Korean woman in <laughs> South Korea. And it it's credited as a really, really Kafka-esque book. Ooh. And that's not why I picked it up. I picked it up because right. it's a Korean book and Barnes right, & Noble right. on the bestsellers list. So, like, right. I was really interested to see what it was. And it's it's really short. There's, like, three short stories in there that are all connected. And it's it's really good. It makes a lot of sense. And I could actually understand Kafka by <laughs> kind of picking the concepts in this book and kind of backwards applying it to his own works. Because, like you said, like, it's just about contextualizing the concepts in a modern way and I think that I almost possibly unintentionally I don't know Kong's background but uh, she really writes this novel and it's almost incredibly radical considering South Korea's like really patriarchal society structure the events that she goes through it is pretty traumatic i will say like it, 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 there's some triggering content in there so just mm-hmm. be forewarned i would read maybe the wikipedia or something or some good reads uh, right. readings mm-hmm. perhaps before before picking it up but it it does a really really good job of like taking those same like 
anti-capitalist, anti-West. It's really interesting how it's like anti-Western in a couple of ways, where like mm-hmm. Korea trying to modern modernize post the war, post colonial Japan, right. um, and this kind of backdrop. It, it it's it's really interesting. So like I I read I read Kafka and I was like, all right, whatever. I don't get the hype. And then I read The Vegetarian. And then I think back to Kafka. Uh, and I'm just like, oh, okay. I get it now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> you Love know, that's that. totally valid. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think uh, that's... I love when that happens. When you, like, use another piece of literature as a tool to, like, understand a previous piece of literature that you read. Like, I don't know. It's just, yeah. like, thinking is so rad. I, yeah, actually, it's no, no, I like, don't. Do I, dis- I disagree. I think I wish I was oh. a fucking amoeba. <laughs> I want my head Not, empty. No thoughts. Yeah, using don't use your brain to own the libs. <laughs> True. <sighs> Disconnecting my brainstem to own the fucking libs. Get fucked. Me. Cucks. Wish my brain would melt out of my ears and turn into goo upon the floor. Oh, a vibe. You're, and then I'd <laughs> slurp it up. <laughs> no. And then I would get a neurodegenerative disease from eating prions in my own brain. Yeah. And then I'd die. <laughs> This is so Kafkaesque. This is really, it's really Kafkaesque. This podcast is As, truly yeah. a literary masterpiece. <laughs> this, oh, this podcast is Kafkaesque. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming on to the show, Monica. Of really course. appreciate it. This yeah, has been thanks. a wild ride. Thank you so much um, for having me. <laughs> Yeah. I hope, um, hope I didn't course. make you regret it too you. much. No, 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 no. not at all. Um, but we are going to ritually sacrifice you. Um, yeah. Not we. I'm not. An, I'm not getting involved. Fucking kill me. <laughs> End my Liz, fucking life. Liz is actually a metaphor for the League of Nations and oh. the lazy fair <laughs> <laughs> government style that has led to the rise of the capital okay, what does I'm adam done, smith done, have to say about this <laughs> this is this is so fucking stupid the invisible hand me right now they would be an act of mercy if someone were to kill me right now the invisible hand is the name that i've given my vibrator just kidding God damn it! God fucking damn it, Monica! God, it just popped into my head. Fuck you! It just popped into my head, and I decided to make it everyone's problem. (laughs) (laughs) Love this for us. You woke up and you chose violence, and I'm gonna choose it right back, bitch. No. So anyway, thanks for listening to our podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday morning. Um, we you can find us on Twitter at Pod Retrograde, on Instagram at Retrograde the Podcast. Um, and thank you so much for listening to another episode. Thank you for joining us, Monica. See you guys. Thank next you time. anytime. Bye.
<laughs> Bye. We're never inviting you back. <laughs> <laughs>